Garbage Into Gold, the Sixers podcast, is part of Philadelphia Sports Nation. They are enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience. Visit online at phlsportsnation.com and follow the Sixers branch of Philadelphia Sports Nation on Twitter at PHL Sixers Nation. Garbage Into Gold is proudly powered by Manscaped. Listen up, fellas. 2020 was not great, and it is a new year, which means new balls, with our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million men all over the world get rid of hair on their balls. So since it's a new year, why not treat yourself to one of the best caring products out there, the Lawnmower 3.0. It's a waterproof and skin-safe trimmer that will reduce nicks to your two best friends. The uh, trimmer, a third-generation trimmer, even has a light to give you the glow that you need to start off 2021 in style. Uh, Manscaped also offers the Crop Preserver if you uh, want to freshen up down there. Uh, why wouldn't you want to freshen up? You already put deodorant on your armpits, so you should be putting it down there because you know, it can it can get a little smelly down there. And uh, Manscaped also offers the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. So 2020 was just not good for a number of reasons. So make sure that your boys are refreshed and ready for new beginnings in 2021. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code PHL. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Garbage Into Gold. We will take a look at the last three Sixers games, all wins, uh, as the Sixers move to 5-1 and one on the season. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, their victory against the Raptors, then in Orlando against the Magic, and then back at home against the Charlotte Hornets. So without any further delay, please enjoy this episode of Garbage Into Gold. Garbage in the gold. Turning garbage in the gold. Joel and B turning garbage in the gold. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first garbage into gold of 2021. We appreciate you tuning in. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Apter, and would like to wish a very happy new year to my co-host. Jesse Larch. Jesse, happy new year. Happy new year. I can't imagine it'll be much worse than the year that just passed. Um, and even this early in the new year, we have some optimism about the Sixers. So I wasn't ready for that, but beating, team, beating I, lottery teams. That's something I'm not used to at all. I mean, it's really, usually these are the games we were struggling in. We'd come out and beat the breaks off the playoff teams and then we'd lose to the Cavs out of nowhere. So, yeah, well, that kind of actually did happen this year. Yeah, so, this Cavs team's <laughs> playing a little better, though. Yeah, I guess I guess the more things change, the more they stay the same. They sure do. I mean, it seems like six years ago already that Al Horford was on the Sixers and now he's hitting dagger three pointers for the Oklahoma City Thunder, revitalizing his career as we knew that he would in a different city. Yeah, I was looking at some uh, player props earlier today, and I actually looked up Horford's stats. The guy is shooting 40% from three, and he's shooting more three attempts mm -hmm. per game for OKC than he did for us. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, th I mean, the, I just think obviously, obviously a, a much better fit. 
down there where he's the only center on the floor. The, the guy couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat when he was here. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you with that one. I, You know, good riddance. I'm still glad he's not here. I think we got uh, pretty good pretty good out of that deal uh, with the way Danny Green played against the Hornets. But uh, before we get to the Sixers' most recent game, the last time we potted uh, was before they played the Raptors. So it's been three games. Sixers have gone 3-0 and in those three games since we last potted. So maybe we never pot again and they'll win every game and go 71-1. and uh, I'm not sure we would meet our promotional sponsorship uh, reads if, if we did it that way. So uh, I'll have to talk to human resources about that, see if I can work it out. But um, <clears throat> anyway, the Sixers beat uh, the Toronto Raptors 100-93 to to start the week uh, in, in a game that, that looked like they were going to lose. They trailed by 14 points in the first half, or in the second half. Uh, Joel Embiid left in the third with an injury, ended up being okay. Uh, and this was really a game, as I'm sure you'd agree with me, that they would have lost 99 times out of 100 the last five or six years. So uh, the way that they took the lead was super weird. Aaron Baines hit a three-pointer that ended up getting changed to a two uh, later in this game, and that's how the Sixers ended up with the lead, and then they never really looked back. Um, another strong Embiid game, finished with 29-16, Four assists, two steals, two blocks. Tobias Harris uh, started his uh, really, really good streak of, of good games uh, going. 26 points, 11 rebounds against the Raptors. Seth Curry's 17 points. He's looked really good. Uh, unfortunately, only seven points from the bench. Furkan Korkmaz, as we know, is on the men. Mike Scott now on the men, so they're going to have to get some point scoring from elsewhere. Uh, right now, the Toronto Raptors in the standings are 2-3. and three. Uh, currently at this moment with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, losing 109-99 to to the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I think you and I both had them in the 5-6 range of our Eastern Conference um, predictions when, when we did our preseason podcast. So uh, they, they look kind of all out of sorts. Siakam is, is definitely not far enough along in his career to where he can – lead a team to the postseason and win a round or two. So I guess my early question to you, do you think the Raptors are just going through early season bumps or is this going to be a team that ends up in the lottery? Uh, I'm not sure because, I mean, they, they're really kind of lacking that steal inside of their lineup. They don't have Marcus Saul anymore. Aaron Baines is like, I feel like he's like an uh, NBA Twitter darling, but he's not not really a guy that you can like. I mean, he definitely can't do what Marcus All did for them. Um, he's not that level of a defender. He doesn't have that type of basketball IQ. But you know, I guess they got to make do with what they have. I st- the East is there's some tough teams in the East. Like um, Atlanta's playing way over their heads right now. I don't even know if it's over their heads. It might just be that good. Orlando's been playing good. Cleveland's playing good. Like, if they don't get on track, they're going to have a rough time trying to get in. Yeah, and two of those teams that you just mentioned, which we'll talk a little bit about later, uh, Cleveland now 3-2. and two. I think they were 3-0 and oh, or 2-0 and oh when we played them uh, last weekend. 
And the Hawks, four and one, they're actually playing each other. Hawks trail by three with a minute and a half to go in the fourth quarter. So two teams that have both looked really good early. Um, you know, a Raptors team, uh, the Raptors are a team that the Sixers have kind of had trouble with in the past, even when they didn't have Kawhi last year. They seem to struggle. Uh, and Toronto is still a team where if they're going to win, they're going to have to win on their defense. Kyle Lowry is a good player. Siakam's a good player. And they have Ananobi and uh, Norman Powell and a, bunch of, and a bunch of good young contributors. But uh, did it surprise you that the Sixers were able to overcome such a large deficit to a team they've had so much trouble with uh, to get the victory in this one? It did because after seven years of Brett Brown basketball, the cynicism has really taken hold of me. And it just felt like Norman Powell was going to score 40 points and not miss a shot. Um, that that first half, he, I mean, there's a few guys on Toronto not missing. I think Ananobi was hitting everything too. But it was just one of those nights where it's like, of course, a guy named Norman is going to just <laughs> take a win away from the Sixers tonight. But My neighbors you know, it, used to have a dog named Norman. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really think of anyone I know named Norman, aside from like one kid I played with in Little League. Norm MacDonald, the actor? I don't know him, but that's the only Norman I can think of. I, I, am a, I am a fan of his. But for, like, I guess it's just, you know, under Doc Rivers, these things aren't going to happen. They turned it around, they adjusted, and they never really seemed to get down on themselves or to really push the issue like they do or had in the past under Brett, where this team just kind of stayed the course and chipped away and trusted the game plan. And, you know, in the end, it worked out. Um, really, I thought that was that was the type of win the Sixers wouldn't have won in the past. That was, even though they should have beaten this Toronto team, regardless, it was nice to see them kind of straighten themselves up, get themselves back into the game and be able to take the win. Yeah, and as, uh, of course, we're talking shit on the Raptors, since I mentioned they have now gone on a, an 11-1 to 1 run and now lead the Pelicans 111-110 to 110 with three minutes to go in the fourth. Obviously, everybody's listening to this well after the game has happened, so I don't know why I'm giving live score updates, but it's very exciting. Very exciting NBA is back. Still, still in that first stage of excitement mode, but yeah. Um, so yeah, nice, nice to beat the Raptors. Uh, Tobias and Joel had had really good games. It was nice to see Embiid have a good game uh, and, and not be hurt. Twenty nine points, sixteen rebounds against the Raptors, even without Kawhi or Marcus All there. I feel like it's probably good uh, for Embiid to to have a really good game against a team that he's struggled with in the past. So. Um, all right, so after the uh, Toronto game, the Sixers went to Orlando, which was the first place that they have traveled to that has fans in the arena. And I thought it was funny. Uh, Doc Rivers talked about how he was like hiding under his bed because people down in Florida are kind of acting as if there's nothing going on, like there's no coronavirus or anything. And then the first shot that they have of Doc on TV during the game was him like with his mask on his chin. And I thought it was very ironic that things ended up that way. I mean, I, I think every game he's had it on his chin, but I also think in-game is a little different than uh, yeah. just walking around. <laughs> yeah. You know, considering everyone in the NBA bubbles like tested consistently and 
you know, the people just walking down the street aren't. I mean, Florida's a weird place. I There's a reason I don't, like, have much desire to go there. I mean, if I want the beach, I'm probably going to go to San Diego before Florida. Yeah, I'm, I'm with so you there. I'm with you on that one. Um, so Florida, yeah. almost, Florida almost feels like... <clears throat> Like that's the part of America that's going to turn them in Texas are the parts of America that'll like be the first ones to enter like the Mad Max universe. <laughs> I could see it happening. I enjoyed living in Florida for two years, but could never live there long term. The beaches are nice, but you know, <clears throat> you know, yeah, it's you Florida. sent me you sent me a picture once of a gator just just fucking chilling right by your yeah, apartment just hanging complex. out just hanging out yeah it's pretty crazy down there when you go to nature preserves you don't actually expect to see a gator and then you see a gator and it's like a fucking dinosaur like it's pretty it's pretty pretty crazy seeing those things outside of the zoo because yeah, you never one, really think that you would one place i'll never go is the everglades because that scares the hell out of me i've driven through them before um and there were legitimately alligators like in the grassy median, like in the middle of the road. Yeah, I mean, there's like legit eight, 18 foot pythons just yeah. living in there. Hard pass. Hard pass. Yeah. I'll go back it's, for Disney World at, at one And I like snakes. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm an admitted snake guy, which isn't my greatest quality, but, you know, it's still. That's that's still too much for didn't, me. Uh, didn't Robert Covington bring in snakes to like one of those Brett Brown yep. team yep. lunches and Joel Embiid like freaked Cove. the fuck out? Cove is a snake guy. Yes, he is. Yeah. That's, maybe that. that's maybe that's why I'm such a Covington fan. Could be. <clears throat> uh, so the Orlando Magic Sixers beat the Magic 116 to 92 in a game that was really never close past 0 0. Um, Philly shot 45.5% from beyond the arc, 15 of 33. They blocked 10 shots and held the Magic to 25% from beyond and 35.7% from the field. Uh, Joel Embiid, another solid game, uh, following up a a 29.16 rebound effort against Toronto, comes back against a a, a definitely a more proven center in in Nikola Vucevic, uh, former Sixer, uh, Embiid puts up 21 points, nine rebounds, two assists, two blocks, doesn't turn the ball over once. And really he dominated Vooch in the post, which I find to be weird. I know he's not as thick as Mark Gasol or Aaron Baines, but he's certainly a more talented center, I think, than both of them. But Embiid always seems to have his number. Um, Vucevic isn't a, like a great defender. He's, he's passable. He's good enough to be an NBA starter which he is, obviously. Usually, though, it's the other end where Vucevic is liable to go for 20-20, and which he's done multiple times against the Sixers at this point in his career. Um, So that's more so where you need Embiid to show up, and he did. I mean, I think that's the bigger takeaway is, you know, the the Joel Embiid that's engaged on the defensive end is back. Yeah, and... um... We'll talk a little bit, uh, a little bit more about Joel in depth when we talk about the Hornets game, because I feel like you you said it. I can't say it any better than you said it. I think on both ends of the ball, he just looks a lot more engaged, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so with the Magic game, um, like I mentioned, Joel Embiid another solid one. Seth Curry. 
he was a guy after the first couple of games. I know we did a pot after opening night and then after the next two games. He was somebody where I was just like, you know, he doesn't look very decisive for a guy that has such a good three-point shooting percentage. Um, Joel Embiid and Curry still don't seem to have the two-man game down just yet because Embiid just kind of puts the ball out there and Curry sometimes goes towards it for that dribble handoff and sometimes doesn't. So I think they're still figuring it out down there. Um, but uh, 21 points for Seth Curry, 7 of 12 from the from the field, 5 of 7 from three-point range, uh, really heating up. Going into the game against the Hornets, he was shooting 55% from beyond the arc or 51% from beyond the arc, and he had another good game against the Hornets. Uh, Tobias Harris, 20, 20 points, 9 Nine rebounds and three assists to follow up the uh, 26-point effort against the Raptors. Uh, Ben Simmons made his first three of the season. Um, The bench made a big deal out of it, and like usual, the coach and the player didn't make a big deal out of it after the game. Ben finished with nine points, ten rebounds, eight assists. Uh, So what were your thoughts on the triple? You know, only the third or fourth one we've ever seen him make. It, during his career, and how many how many games do you think uh, until he takes his next one? Well, first about him hitting it, it is absolute poetry that he hit a three with Michael Fultz on the floor. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm not even a guy that's that bitter about the Markel Fultz situation. Like, I'm glad he's gone. I hope he does well. I'm not like harboring any really bad feelings for Fultz, but after what we went through with Fultz, like it feels great to watch Ben hit a three while Fultz is out there for the other team having the watch. Um, and I mean, we, we texted about it tonight during this game where Ben got to that same spot of the floor and threw up a pump fake. So, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to start firing them off like regularly, but it, the general like feeling is that we might be seeing a little bit more because I think he does have an environment now where Doc Rivers doesn't or Doc Rivers encourages Ben being aggressive, not necessarily shooting threes, but he does encourage Ben that if he has a chance to get the ball to the hole, whether shooting it, driving, whatever, that he does it. Um, that combined with apparently the very positive influence of Dwight Howard, who's another guy pushing Ben. I think Ben's kind of coming around to the idea where before Brett Brown was very much like, Oh, he'll shoot when he's ready instead of like trying to challenge Ben to shoot. Yeah. I feel like there's much more of an environment right now that is, and it's not in a negative way. It's a positive reinforcement, but they are pushing Ben to kind of take chances like that now, or they're, they're, they're pushing Ben to trust himself by getting to the line and shooting foul shots, which, you know, we've noted before he's been a little bit better from the foul line this year so far. And, you know, encouraging him to try to impact the game in more ways. And it's coming from a place where these guys believe in him, not that they think he needs to add more. Um, So I think there's been a very good influence in Ben this year. I think, like I said, I think we'll see it, a little more often. I'm not going to say we're going to see it like nightly, mm-hmm. but I do think it's going to become a little bit more of a part of Ben's game. 
and he's going to take a step towards making him respect him from distance. Yeah, I think uh, I think realistically, just because of how far in between uh, we see them, we've seen them so far. I would say maybe one, like maybe he'll take one over the next ten. Like that's my guess. Uh, I'd say the maximum he takes two over the next ten games. That would be that would be my guess. But there was a quote after the game. I know after he makes a three, he's always. Uh, asked by his reporters, like, what happened? You know, what was the play? How did you feel? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, he, he's very bullish about that stuff, just kind of goes about it like it never happened and that it's not a big deal, but pretty much everybody knows that it is. You see the bench reaction every time it happens. Um, but one of the one of the post-game quotes, he said, yeah, I think one thing about me is I could have no points, and if we're up 50, I'm happy. I'm not coming out here trying to have a certain average or score 50, 40, 30 points. I'm coming out here to win and say whatever way that is, I'm going to try to do it and get it done, whether it's defensively or making the right reads offensively and getting the team set. So uh, you know me. I've been uh, far more a Ben Simmons critic than you have. Uh, I do think that he – I guess he came out of college and was so impressive his first couple years, and he still is. Uh, that I expected him to be, like he had those LeBron comparisons, like I expected him to be better offensively than he is right now. Um, But I think that quote, for better or for worse, just kind of says that like what he is now, like he could be a better version of that in two or three years, but we're never going to see Ben Simmons like averaging 18, 20 points a game. That's just never going to happen. And I guess like looking back on all of the lottery picks we had, um, it's okay, but again, I'm still uh, hoping that we get a little bit more out of him uh, on that end every day. Obviously, with the shooters that they've had, uh, he doesn't need to do a whole lot. But um, for those games Joel Embiid is out, I think we're going to need to see a little bit more aggression on his end. But yeah, I think it was, uh, like you said, very smooth. Like poetry. Like poetry. The uh, Anything else on uh, Ben from that game before we move on? No, I mean, you know, people are going to say the stat line was unimpressive, but all the starters were out by the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's important to mention that, that even Embiid, would Embiid have 22 and 9? Like, he played 27 minutes or something. Yeah. Like, if he played his normal amount, that would have been a, like a 30 and 15 night. So, you know, overall, I mean, the starters have looked really good the last week or two after they were kind of the question mark. No, and yeah, that's bench, a really good and, point. And the bench was carrying the team a little bit. Now the starters are like, like holy shit, this team's... Granted, again, they're not playing the cream of the crop yet, but, you know, the starters look really good. They're like, a lot of the things I think we wanted to see, we are beginning to see, and we're beginning to see that chemistry build. We're beginning to see guys kind of grow confidently into their roles. Like you mentioned, Seth Curry, um, you know, you weren't too enamored with him at the start. Um, Tobias Harris is often the whipping boy, but he's given people nothing to complain about after the first game. So, I mean, if this is the way the team's going to go, and then we're going to get to it here now, but, I mean, Danny Green kind of breaking out tonight. Like, if the starters get into sync like that, and then Shake Milton had another good night tonight, Tyrese Maxey's getting a little more aggressive, a little more confident. Like, I mean, Dwight Howard fills his role wonderfully. I mean, they're... The Sixers 
I, I was I, what I have them as the two seed when we did our predictions. I think so, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like I, I, I was high on the team because I, you know, keep in mind this was a team a few years ago. A lot of people, they were three bounces on the rim away from going to the NBA Finals, going to overtime. Well, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Though. Yeah, like, yeah. This, and granted, it was a different roster, but the team was still. You know, the there was a lot of the pieces were still there, and last year was a massive step backward, but the talent didn't go away. And I think, you know, I think the change in coaching and not just Doc, but the guys he's brought in alongside him, like this team really seems to be clicking early. Granted, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but the early signs are very promising. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with the Magic game, I, I think really the you mentioned Shake Milton. He had 14 points. He was struggling a little bit up to uh, that. Uh, f- with Furkan Korkmaz out, uh, Batiste Thibel got some more minutes. Um, he, he's not looked great. I feel like after his first couple of appearances, he's looked a little bit better. Not not going for the steal on every single on every single play, and. Uh, he definitely looked more confident against the Magic. He he drove to the rim and got fouled, got fouled, I believe. Uh, went to the free throw line, scored a couple points, which were his first points of the season. But finished with nine points on three for five shooting, uh, two for four from three. I mean, his shot looks good. He had two blocks and he only had one personal foul in 18 minutes. Um, you know, he was in the game a lot against the uh, against the Hornets. Um, you know, only, only took four shots, but was still fine defensively and didn't, I think he only committed two personal fouls. So, um, I think it is certainly good for, for Matisse to show that he can hit a shot here and there and, and play, uh, defense on some of the quicker players of the opposition. Yeah. And one of those fouls tonight was to stop a four on O. Oh, right. So, so like. You know that's a, not a bad play by him. I thought he had he's had moments this year where he kind of looked a little frantic out there, where you could kind of tell that like you know the questioning what his role would be and things like that may have been putting added pressure on himself. It was those braids, I think. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I thought he grew into the game pretty well tonight, um, and I mean, it'd be a great thing if. Matisse, Tyrese Maxey, and Shake Milton can all carve out roles in that second unit and then kind of grow into starting roles going forward for this team once guys like Danny Green and, um, you know, Mike Scott are beginning to phase out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be so important for the Sixers to grow from within with the, their current cap situation. And with guys like that, they really do have a chance to do it. No, yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, again, I think uh, certainly early season and even in the bubble, uh, Thibel just kind of um, didn't look great. But we ha- we have to remember, uh, even though that he's only played four years in uh, in college, he's played four years in college, one year in the NBA, his rookie year, and uh, he's he's still learning. He was never a guy that was averaging 16 points a game or anything in uh, at Washington. He was a defensive specialist that could hit an occasional three. And if he does that here, I think that he'll be a a really good contributor off the bench for doc rivers and the Sixers. Um, the last thing I had on the uh, magic game, uh, Markel Fultz, former, former Sixer, uh, you mentioned it earlier, how Ben Simmons hit the, uh, three 
kind of on Fultz with Fultz defending him. Fultz went down the floor like the next possession and missed a three. And I think Sixers world would have been very, uh, um, it, it would have been quite quite the the picture if Ben Simmons hit a three and then Markel Fultz hit one on back to back possessions. That would have been pretty funny. But he came into the uh, game against the Sixers averaging over 18 points, but uh, finished with just nine points on four for 11 shooting. Uh, they played the Thunder tonight. He shot five for 16, so clearly his game is still a work in progress. He he looks to be past his thoracic outlet syndrome, but um, what, what if anything, did you see from the former Sixers first-rounder in that game that made you think that he might be showing signs of, of the player that the Sixers hoped he was when they drafted him? I mean, he's playing really like a different player. He's so much looser. You can tell he's more confident. Um He's playing like the guy you saw on tape at Washington. Yeah. You know, he's not afraid to penetrate and attack the lane. He's not afraid to shoot the ball. You know, and I think my main takeaway is that all of those reports that he was trying to bomb his interview with the Sixers and was, I guess, just forcing his way out of Philadelphia the whole time he was here. I mean, it kind of feels like there may have been some merit to those because um, it is strange how he's suddenly the guy – everyone kind of hoped he would be. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it kind of is what it is. It's very Philadelphia that it would happen this way, but I feel like the Sixers have a uh, much more energetic and enthusiastic kid with upside and Tyrese Maxey, obviously not the same player, uh, needs to develop his shot a little bit more, but I feel like um, if that if we did not get Tyrese Maxey, maybe I would have felt a little worse about the Fultz performance. Sizz that he's had this season. I don't know. Um, yeah, and the 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 endearing thing with Maxi that Fultz didn't have is when Maxi's on the floor, you can tell he's giving one hundred and ten percent every second he's out there. I just like yeah. I mean, um, I love his energy. You know, he's he's a big smiler too. He is. Um, but Markel Fultz kind of has like I, I don't want to call it arrogance, but he kind of carries himself that way, where you know. He he doesn't necessarily have that same sense of urgency. He kind of has that like coolness about him while he's out there, where it makes him seem apathetic. Um, yeah, he's Max, very uh, what's it called? Uh, stoic. He's very stoic. Yeah, where Tyrese Maxey's the total opposite, and he's just like totally invested in every possession of the game, which is a great guy to have. Yeah. Um, and there's not and Ben Simmons is a lot like that in terms of you know that being a stoic guy, but. You know, I think we can all agree Ben Simmons is a hard worker. And I don't think he takes any plays off. No. Um, so I'm not saying that about Markel Fultz. I'm just saying, like, it makes it easier to root for a guy like Tyrese Maxey when he has that type of personality versus a guy like Markel Fultz who may have appeared like he didn't care, even though in Philly, I don't know. In Orlando, I think he's playing good basketball. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean... No, not to belabor because I feel like we've talked about this so much, but you know, I never understood the pick to begin with. And, um, he never really looked like he wanted to be here. Uh, even, you know, showing emotion is okay. And I think when Ben Simmons throws down a dunk, you, you see that emotion from him, no matter how stoic he is in interviews. And you don't yeah. see that from Fultz anyway, like even when he plays well in Orlando. So I think, um, yeah, who knows? You know, everybody has different personalities, and I'm not going to judge him for that. But, you know, I, I, I never got the feeling that he 
wanted to come here or really fit um, the roster at the at the time that he was drafted. So I think that's enough Mark Helfoltz for talk for me until we play them next. Yeah, let's talk about tonight's game. Oh, yeah. Well, before we do, let's take a quick pause and uh, hear about our friends at Anchor. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Garbage Into Gold. So after the Sixers beat the Magic and the Raptors, they came back home and defeated the Charlotte Hornets in their first game of 2021 after not losing at the Wells Fargo Center in the calendar year of 2020. They start the calendar year of 2021 with another win at the Wells Fargo Center in front of no fans. They are now 5-1 and one on the season, still first place in the Eastern Conference early on. Um, the Sixers... All- they are all alone in first place after the Hawks just lost on a dagger three from Colin Sexton. Yeah, they were going back and forth for a little while. Uh, it looked like Bogdanovich hit one, and then Colin Sexton hit one right back after that. Yeah. Exciting. So I mean, it's exciting all, stuff. All man. alone in first place, your Philadelphia 76ers. Your Philadelphia, our Philadelphia 76ers. Our Philadelphia yes. 76ers. Um so the Hornets, uh, the, the Sixers led the Hornets 39-24 to after one quarter, never really looked back. Uh, they played about even the rest of the way after the first half. Um, Sixers ended up shooting 59.5% from the floor, 45.7% from beyond the arc. They, uh, of their 79, not 79, 47 made field goals, Uh, The Sixers had 35 assists on 47 field goals, which, you know, if you watch the game, the ball movement was so good. So I guess chunking it all together, you know, they beat the Wizards, they lose to the Cavs, they beat the Raptors, they beat the Magic, they beat the Hornets. Am I missing one? They beat the Knicks. So I guess chunking it all into six games and then looking at this Hornets game as the most recent ones, what are your overall thoughts on how they've looked and what stands out as the good and what stands out as what they need to still work on more than anything else? Um, I mean, really the whole team's good. Like the first couple games we questioned the starting lineup, but really since then, I mean, we've really seen Tobias Harris start being the guy that he was with Doc Rivers in LA. Um, Seth Curry's been... I think fantastic. He's doing exactly what they brought him in here to do, which is something that does not happen for the Sixers, that you bring a guy in and, you know, expect him to fit a certain way, and it never works out like that. But Seth Curry has been exactly what the Sixers wanted him to be. Um, you know, tonight Danny Green finally had his his good game, and hopefully there's more of those to come. Joel Embiid is looking like a committed determined player which again something we didn't have last year Ben Simmons seems to be you know like Embiid he's very engaged I mean you know always good on defense but he seems to be kind of growing into games better offensively than he has in the past Um, you know I think he's made a clear effort to kind of drive a little bit more um, to not allow teams to sag off of him and to kind of attack teams when they do that like there's been a lot more instances where he drives and kicks the ball out I think than he has in like the past two years. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm happy to see that. Defensively, the team's awesome. I mean, that starting five 
even Seth Curry has not been – it's not like when we had J.J. Redick and teams just exposed him and pick and rolled him to death. Like, Seth Curry's held his own out there. Um, and then you have the other four. I mean, Tobias Harris is even playing really good defense. He had a lot of plays tonight on Melo Ball in particular. I, I just noticed where he just used, like, grown man strength to rip the ball away from the Melo Ball a few times. And he had that um, uh, that one dunk over two guys that was just insane. Yeah, I had to change my pants after that one. <laughs> um, that I was not ready for him to do that. <laughs> I feel like he's had um, one of those, and we'll talk about Toby in a little bit more depth uh, in, in a few minutes, but I feel like he's had one of those like man dunks over each of the last few games as he's progressively shown, like gotten more comfortable. Yeah, and that's more of the game he had with Doc before. Is he, was, he wasn't relegated to just being a catch-and-shoot guy or a three-point shooter. You know, he's... He's getting the confidence to kind of go baseline and, you know, work his mid-range game. And he, you can just see it's a different guy than we saw the first game of the year that we saw the last two years under Brett. I mean, he's – am I going to say he's a max player? I'm not going to say that yet, but he's making that contract a little easier to swallow. And I think Doc's a big part of that. Um, overall, I mean, you know, I think the team is – we're seeing them adjust well. We're seeing them – Really, the biggest thing for me, and I, you can tell me if you agree or not, this team has a different poise about them, where there never seems to be moments of panic. You know, they seem to really kind of always be in control, even when they're behind. Um, you know, and th- those are the kind of signs that I think separate the great teams from the good teams. Again, very early in the year, but th- those th- there's just a lot of promising things early on, a lot of things that if they continue to grow out of like they're they're planning very good routes right now and hopefully they just keep developing from where they're at right now and become a better and better team as the year goes on they're already a really good team though yeah yeah i know you mentioned uh sorry i had a a brain fart moment here you mentioned earlier uh sixers alone in first place i didn't realize that the pacers also lost pacers were four and one i think uh, and they just lost to the yeah, Knicks. Yeah, they they uh, they screwed my parlay. So fuck the Pacers. Uh, the Knicks. I, I, the I had a parlay. I, I bet the spread of every game tonight, and the only game I didn't get was the Pacers. So thanks, if the Indiana. playoffs started today, the Knicks would play the Pacers in the first round, six game into the season. Pretty crazy. That sounds like <laughs> the sounds Bucks like would miss the playoffs if there was no play in. So pretty crazy how things are through six games, and you know we're talking about all things that probably won't matter in two weeks. So this is a this is a brief aside, and we don't have to go in depth on this. Sure, but I ha- I had this thought earlier today. Are you scared of Giannis? I'm not. That that's my whole thing. Like I get he's, you know he's fun, he's marketable, but I don't think there's any coach in the league that gets the bucks and worries. I think everyone has a plan of attack to isolate Giannis and to make the other players on the Bucks beat them. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. Um, I don't disagree with you. I think it's way too early to to say for them. I mean, I think he's really maximizing his size not only uh, to shoot and, and just kind of 
out muscle guys, but I mean, he's going like the last game he went to the line, like almost 20 times. Like he, he was 18 of their 30 free throws. He only made 10 of them. Um, but I mean, I think it'll all depend on matchups and how the other guys play. I guess like, I haven't seen this new new look Sixers team against the Bucks. I think they match up well. Uh, I think they match up well against them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not. I mean, to answer your question, no, I'm I'm not scared. And I think the past few seasons of playoffs show that other teams, you know, the good teams know how to adjust to defend him. Yeah, that's that's my only point on that is that I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone in the league considers the Bucks a serious threat. I think the media likes to because, again, Giannis is so marketable and produces great highlights and things like that. But I don't think there's a team that is afraid to get the Bucks in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I would probably go. I'm not afraid of Giannis. Uh, because I'm sitting here in my apartment not playing in the NBA, so I don't know uh, what the fear level is of, of coaches and stuff like that. He's certainly a guy that you have to game plan for. But uh, early on in the season, the Bucks just aren't looking like the dominant team everybody expected them to be. But so many new pieces, you just ju- yeah. just uh, tough to tell at this point. Um, you know, you'll you'll probably have Simmons or Embiid uh, guarding him uh, rather than you know Al Horford or Tobias Harris last year, uh, so that'll be a little bit different. But um, speaking speaking of Embiid, uh, one of the the trends that I've noticed uh, through the first six games now, or at least the five that he's played in, is that the rotations were obviously going to be a bit different than Brett Brown's rotations. I think. Uh, Embiid almost always came out after like four and a half or five minutes, you know, between the six, six minute and maybe like seven and a half minute mark. Some point between then he would come out, but uh, really Embiid seems to be going all the way until, you know, the last few minutes of the quarter. And I feel like this, the first quarter, and I feel like uh, the game against the Hornets was the longest we saw him. Uh, be in there his first shift lasted until 137 of the first quarter he had seven points and eight rebounds so uh, although he finished with his lowest point total of the season 19 points 14 boards um, it looks like he's turning a corner but do you like what what are your thoughts with regard to the rotation side of things like are is him getting more time to settle in uh, benefiting him is it helping him because it, I think it is. And then on top of that, I feel like it could be keeping him in better shape to be staying on the floor for longer periods of time because you know he needs to have the stamina for the longer periods rather than being like, okay, well, I need, I, I know I need to run for like three or four minutes and then I'll get a rest. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the big thing it's done, especially the last two games, um, well, no, he didn't play against Orlando. No, he did play against Orlando. Um, the last two games in particular where the Sixers opened up huge leads in the first quarter, you know, I think having Embiid out there for the bulk of the quarter certainly lends itself to the Sixers being able to do that. Where so many times last year in the last couple of years, we've come down to the wire and, you know, we've given up leads in the first half and kind of squandered chances to win games. 
Like, if you're worried about regulating Embiid's minutes, if he's going to be out there and you're going to open up, you know, 10, 15-point leads to start every game because of how he's playing, like, you're going to have games like Orlando where he doesn't play the fourth quarter. Um, so in terms of, like, regulating him, you still get to do that. And I agree with you that getting him in some longer stretches is not only benefiting him in the long run, mm-hmm. but you can see how well the team's playing with him out there. Yeah, I'm surprised that he played 37 minutes tonight, uh, seeing that the Sixers did win 127 to 112. I know they were only up by like 10 late in the game, but I was kind of surprised to see him out there for for such a long time. But it looked like the uh, Hornets were kind of putting together a run here and there. So, um, Yeah, but I think overall the rotations have played to the favor of progressively uh, having him stay in for longer stretches of time and being able to play. You know, I feel like in the fourth quarter, too, he comes in, uh, instead of coming in with, like, five or four minutes to go, he's really in there from, like, the sixth or seven-minute mark until the end of the game. Yeah. No, I mean, you factor that in with the fact that the bench is also definitely doing their part, like – it's just a, this team just seems like a much better team than the ones we've had recently. Yeah. Um, and I mean, a part of it is there's just so much balance on this team. Like, when, I mean, I'm going to ask you, the answer is probably not in my lifetime. But like, when's the last time the Sixers were ever this balanced? Because even going back to Iverson, like, those teams were extremely reliant on Iverson putting in MVP caliber performances night in and night out. And I think even, right, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, even with like the Dario Rocco, JJ Redick, Embiid Simmons lineups, like those were good, but the benches were shit. Yeah. And this team right now, like we've already seen Shake come out and steal a game, you know, and this is what back to the Maxi hit double digits tonight. I think he had nine. He's All been right, close. So he, yeah. Yeah. He had 10 against Orlando, nine tonight. He always gives you assists and rebounds. He's active on defense. I mean, Shake had another great night tonight. Um, Matisse, like we talked about already, I, I thought he grew into this game well. Dwight Howard just comes in and does his job. And, like, I mean, he's never he's never really going to flash or shine on the stat sheet. But you, if you have even the slightest understanding of the game of basketball, you can see how much of an impact Dwight Howard's making, especially compared to the things we've had to see in the past with guys like a Greg Monroe or even with how poorly Al Horford fit last year. To be getting the play they're getting out of Dwight Howard right now is just such a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I just feel like Al Horford was never physical. He always seemed to be physical when uh, guarding Embiid, but he always seemed like a little soft when he was with... With the Sixers, because he was probably an undercover spy from Boston. But that's just my theory. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I think we already talked about it in a previous episode, that they just have an ego list to White Howard right now, which yeah. is a weird thing to say when you think, like, five years ago, Dwight Howard was, you know. And now you have this version of him who is totally humble, totally buys in, does every little thing the coaching staff asks him to, um, you know, is a positive influence on his teammates. Like it's a 180 from the guy he was when you think back to Houston or LA to the guy he is right now. And I think 
you know, the Sixers are extremely fortunate that they've gotten this version of Dwight Howard in here because he seems to be playing that role of veteran leader, kind of being a glue guy. But even on the floor, he'll pick up any anyone to defend. He's you know been a great pick setter so far. He's aggressive on the on the glass, like he's doing all the little things you need people to do to win games. Um, a lot of the things that are kind of unsung, but things that coaches and teammates really appreciate. Yeah, and, and I, I think, think those those post game uh, like shooting sessions with him, Simmons, and I think it grew to Thibel, Terrence Ferguson, and a couple of other guys after the Hornets game. But it's clear that his veteran leadership and and all of the experiences that he's had during his career, both good and bad, are really rubbing off on a lot of the younger players. Yeah, um, I mean, I just from top to bottom i'm really loving the makeup of this team right now for i mean on the floor and off the floor i think there's just i think the sixers really do have the potential to do something special i'm not going to say they're going to but there's a lot of things there that are easy to feel good about yeah uh, certainly are i know to this point in the season they haven't really had um <clears throat> they haven't really played a good team, like a team expected to be at the top of the uh, of either conference. Uh, you know, they played the Raptors, but they haven't looked good. They played the Wizards, who I picked, I think, to be sixth or seventh in the playoffs, but they only have one win. They look to already be losers of the um, John Wall-Russell-Westbrook trade. But um, the... I'd like to see them play a, a good team, and, and I think they have a, a couple of those uh, coming up against, uh, I think they play Brooklyn uh, later, later like the January 7th, they play Brooklyn, then they play Denver and Atlanta and Miami twice. So I think after their next game of Charlotte and the Wizards, it'll start being a, a little bit more of a test for the team that they have. So it's good that they have these kind of warm-up games against teams that they should beat, and are beating, which again, like we've said before, is not something we're so familiar with from the Brett Brown years of uh, the Sixers. Um, you, you know, you mentioned Danny Green coming into his own. Prior to the game against the Hornets, he was shooting four of 19 from beyond the arc. He shot four of five from beyond in the first quarter alone and finished the game against the Hornets with 13 points. It was the first game with all five Sixers starters and double figures. Uh, Seth Curry, uh, I mean, 21 points. He scored 21 against the Magic. He scored 17 against the Raptors. So I think he's he's certainly fitting. He can really hit from, from anywhere. He can do a step-back three. He can hit it off the dribble handoff. Uh, and he can hit it on catch and shoot. Like, it just seems like he's able to do it at, at all ends. And he came into the game shooting 51% from beyond. And, and he shot um, three of six from beyond in uh, the Hornets game, eight of 11 overall. So just really good from uh, Seth Curry. Tyrese Maxey, we mentioned him a little bit, nine points, two rebounds, two assists. Shake Milton, 18 points on seven for 13 shooting. Tyrese Maxey, I know we kind of talked with uh, about him when we were speaking about Markel Fultz for a little while, but it's nice to see a Sixers first-round pick not shying away from uh, shooting three-pointers. 
even if like that's not a part of the game yet. So he he missed a three-pointer that was pretty wide open, and then on the next possession on a fast break, Ben Simmons passed it right back to him, and he hit his first three-pointer. Uh, form looks good. I think he's he's like Fultz was kind of when he was here, uh, kind of pushes it up from the stomach, so he doesn't have a very high release. So he's definitely going to need some time to hit those. But I thought, I, I mean, I think his form looks good. I don't, I don't think it looks bad. I think there's definitely room for improvement. But it, with the floater game and the ability to drive, I think adding a, a three-pointer a game here and there can only uh, benefit what he brings to the table. Yeah, I think his form looks pretty good. Um, the only thing I would say about it is I think he gets on top of the ball a little bit. Like, he almost has topspin on his shots instead of getting, like, the arc under it and getting air under the ball. Um, so that's what I would like to see him do a little bit better. But, yeah, the confidence is surely there. He he does not play scared. And I, I look at him as a guy. I really think he's one of those players who year one to year two will be a nice leap. Year two to year three, he'll take another step. Like, I think he is one of those guys who just builds and gets better year in and year out and we're going to get to see him kind of grow into that um, i'm trying to think of like good players to compare that to like uh, zach levine comes to mind you know uh J.S. alexander like those kind of guys who just continuously get better um you know who are already good but you know right now he's gonna he is a rookie he kind of looks like a rookie out there and just in terms of his body and you know, the way he's attacking the game and you're going to see him, the more minutes he gets, the more he's going to know what to do out there, the more he's going to be able to break teams down. Like he already is, you know, he's already not afraid to go to the rim. And we've seen him make a lot of great plays, you know, down close to the basket and with his acrobatic finishes and just like smooth plays he's making with, you know, high kisses off the glass and things like that. Um, but I think those other parts of his game will continue to round out. He's going to get more confident as a guy that is the primary ball handler. Um, and I really do think him and Shake are complementing each other really well right now. Yeah, and we got to see some interesting lineups with uh, Shake, Maxi, and Simmons on the floor. Uh, I thought those were interesting. I, I didn't think that they worked very great, and I think that that kind of played into having uh, – too many uh, primary ball handlers on on the floor at the same time. I know Shake can play off ball. Maxi hasn't really played off ball much at all um, through his very short time in the NBA so far. And we know Ben uh, excels most when he starts with the ball. Um, so I think that was uh, one of the reasons why things looked a little uneven in the second half. Uh, they had 10 turnovers in the third quarter, uh, finished tonight's game with 20. I think that was really the only really bad part of their game. Um, but turnovers have been an issue for this team in the Brett Brown era. They they seem to kind of be rolling over a little bit this year, and it can be a count. Like, uh, you can blame uh, the turnover, uh, the pace that they're running at, um, Early on, I think going into the game, they were averaging just uh, under 17 and a half turnovers uh, per game, which was tied for 24th in the NBA. So they're still in the bottom half of uh, turnovers. They finished tonight's game again with 20 of them, so that will only go up. Uh, what what have what are your thoughts on their turnover issues so far this year? Um, I think it's you know we've seen it kind of be a thing that always plagues this team. 
you know, they like to get out and run, especially when Ben's on the floor. Um, I think I sent you a stat earlier today that said Embiid's like career best before this year was five turnovers a game or something. And so far this year, he's averaging like just over three. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in some ways they're making strides or at least Embiid is who's the most important player when it comes to that. There was definitely some ugly stretches of this game tonight. Um, and I remember thinking back to the first game of the year, there was a lot of possessions just where it seemed like wires were crossed and the chemistry wasn't there. So the easy answer is to just say, like, the more they play together, the better it will get ironed out. But we've seen some of these players enough to know that that isn't really what happens. And turnovers will still be there, especially the more they get out and run, the more they're going to turn over the ball. Yeah, he had five um, tonight. Five tonight total. Embiid did? Yeah. Yeah, so... You know, it's that's going to be a focus area. I mean, it's nothing like they don't know. I think every coach ever would say, like, you have to win the turnover battle, just mm-hmm. like you would in football or really any other sport. So that's obviously something you have to get under control. Um, hopefully, Doc Rivers will be more successful in doing that than Brett Brown was. Yeah, and I think uh... – Doing it against a team like the Hornets where you are skilled enough to maintain a double-digit lead for the near entirety of the game. Uh, you can do it against teams like that and expect not to get bitten in the ass with it, but you know you, well, can't, I mean, expect to, you can't expect to turn the ball over 20 times against a Brooklyn or, or you know a, even, even the Bucks, even, even though they're not looking that great early this season or any of the top teams in either conference. You can't expect to turn the ball over that many times and be able to hold that kind of lead. Well, the first quarter was like one of, the, I think, the worst one they had in the game as far as the turnovers go. It was third. They had, 10, they had 10 in the third and then I think 10 more in the fourth, and they finished with 20. I only think they had a few in the first half. I remember reading on Twitter, someone was saying, like, just the numbers they were putting up as far as turnovers and second chance opportunities and things like that. Like, normally that's where you would be getting your ass kicked, but somehow the Sixers were up 15. So, I I don't know. I mean, again, the opponent, like you said, definitely has something to do with it. Um, You know, and I'm sure the coaching staff's addressing it and saying, like, all right, guys, like, like we were lucky to win like that tonight with the way we played. Um, and I do think that's the kind of tone that this, this new regime's kind of implementing, which is why we're seeing strides with certain players this year. Yeah. Um, so just, like, just like Brett, sorry. Um, like no, Brett good. Brown, Brett Brown would win this game and be patting everyone on the back and saying how proud he is of everyone where doc rivers, He'll give out the the compliments and the congratulations, but he's we know he's not afraid to be like, we could have done this better, we could have done this better, where Brett Brown was a lot more he was more like you have the teacher who wants to be your friend and the teacher who wants to teach you. Right. You know, and it's Brett Brown's the teacher that wants to be your friend. And Doc Rivers is the teacher that's gonna make sure you understand what he taught you in class. Right. So uh, four turnovers in the first quarter, um, two in the second. So they had six in the first half, and then in the second half. In the third quarter, they had ten, and then in the fourth quarter, they had uh, they had five. 
So third quarter was was the worst, I think. Um, Charlotte outscored them by one in that quarter. It was the only quarter that they won the entire night. But, yeah, certainly need to clean that kind of stuff up before you face the better teams. I, the Charlotte scored f- uh, 25 points off of the 22 total turnovers. So... That, that was really the only gaping hole in the game tonight. Uh, Tobias Harris, another strong game. 24 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals, and 3 blocks. Um, he's the first sixer with that stat line or better since Charles Barkley in 1990. Um, you know, he didn't look great in the preseason. He didn't look good on the opener. And even in the ensuing games after that against the Cavs and the Knicks, his decision-making wasn't great. Uh, he shot three for 13 on open night, but since then he's shooting 40 of 63 from the floor, which is good for 63 and a half percent. And he's shooting 15 of 27 from beyond the arc, which is 55.5 percent, and that's including the game against the Hornets. Um, and I mean, I feel like even from the first game of the season, we're seeing a completely different Tobias Harris. He's making quicker decisions. He's not afraid to attack. He's not afraid to shoot the ball off the catch. Uh, and it seems like his confidence is just altogether at an all-time high. Yeah, he looks comfortable. I mean, he looks like he's in it. He understands his role, and he's not being asked to play a role that he can't fulfill. Um, you know, we saw him last year kind of be relegated at times to just a catch-and-shoot shooter, and that's not his game. And, you know, thankfully we have Doc Rivers. I keep kind of, like, thanking Doc. But... You know, Doc had him in L.A. when there was talk of Tobias Harris being a league all-star. And he probably should have been that year with the way he was playing. Um, But that was a year under Doc Rivers where Doc understands what Tobias does well. And I think he's putting things in that allow Tobias to do that now. Um, He does look way more decisive, especially when he does take his threes, which was the problem. There a little bit, but, but like I said, he's even he's not afraid to attack the rim. He's not afraid to drive baseline. And, you know, his game is so much more than just shooting three pointers. Um, he's a guy with a great mid range game and he knows how to get to the rim. And he's beginning to do that very consistently. And, you know, I understand like you want the spacing when you have guys like Embiid and Simmons, but especially if, you know, Ben keeps just making teams honor his shot, not even hitting them, but he just makes teams have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Tobias is going to keep having nights like this. And I think tonight that's, you know, the last few games, as you're saying, it's just been a different guy. It's really been the guy that they traded for from L.A. It's just he's showing up two years later. Yeah, and I think that he's one of those guys. I know um, you say it about Embiid. He doesn't need to shoot like two or three three-pointers a game and, and Tobias should be a guy that takes between four and eight a game. He should be taking, um, you know, anywhere from 10 to, to 20 shots per game because Ben Simmons is not going to be like the second offensive option when it comes to scoring points. You have Seth Curry, who's been really good, but Tobias is really carving out him, his role as being that second go-to guy when it comes to knocking down a shot and and being reliable at it. Like, again, the, since the opener from three, two, two of five, four of six, two of five, three of four, four of seven. And then, like, uh, he, he shot seven of 14 against the Knicks, five of 10 against Cleveland, 11 of 20 against Toronto, all 
uh, or above. 8 of 15, 53.3% uh, against the Magic, and then 64.3% against, um, against the uh, Hornets in 37 minutes. So just uh, all in all, a really, uh, uh, a really, really great game from him. Uh, last thing to talk about for this episode, uh, Ben Simmons got his first triple-double of the season, 29th of his career in 37 minutes. He had 15 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. Uh, seemed to be really, like the team just seemed to run tonight a lot, and that played to his benefit uh, with uh, 15, 12, and 11. Uh, he's been great on defense for the majority of the year, held Bradley Beal to one of three field goals and a turnover. Russell Westbrook, five of nine, two turnovers. Um, R.J. Barrett, one of eight. Uh, Kevin Love, 0 for three. Pascal Siakam uh, shot three for 11 in seven-plus minutes of being defended by Ben Simmons. And Markel Fultz uh, only shot one of six from the field while being covered by Ben Simmons. Simmons spent most of his time uh, against Charlotte uh, covering Gordon Hayward. He finished seven of 15 uh, from the night. I don't have the exact matchup stats for that. Uh, I don't think they've posted it yet, but... Um, all in all, a solid effort from Ben Simmons. Uh, what have your uh, thoughts on him been through the first uh, first six? I mean, to kind of bounce off of what you've said about him in the past, that he's been the same offensive player throughout his tenure. Um, I do think we're seeing him expand his game or at least ratchet up the intensity of his game. Um, expand might be the wrong word, but I do think he's tonight. He didn't as much, but I do think in general, he's making a more concerted effort to get to the foul line to play downhill, to kind of, to kind of force those mismatches to happen. And he's doing more to dictate the game and force the issue than he has in the past where he would kind of just take whatever the defense gave him. And it would kind of force the Sixers to play a lot of static offense. Um, I think he is doing a lot to create, to kind of put teams on their heels a little bit more. You know, I think those are the things we're seeing Ben do to kind of, you know, he's he's still not putting up like 20-point nights or anything, but like he even said himself, that's not a concern for him. And clearly the team doesn't need him to, because if he's going to give you, you know, his 16-8-8 line that he's kind of averaged his whole career, but now he's kind of doing it in a different way where, you know, he's getting teams in foul trouble and he's getting teams on their heels like that. I think it's I think he's just a more impactful player so far this year or he's showing the signs of becoming one. <clears throat> um, it's clear that he's buying into all the things that Doc Rivers has said he wants him to do. Yeah. Um, and, and I agree with you with regard to the free throws. <clears throat> I think he's still has his moments where he drives and then sees nothing. And instead of going up and, and trying to get fouled, he passes it out, um, does that jump and pass behind him sort of thing. That didn't really work at all last year because they didn't have shooting. It worked. Uh, it works a little bit better. But uh, through the first five games, he was averaging uh, 6.2 free throws a game. He shot three of five from there against the Hornets. He's, he's shooting uh, around 60%. Um, on on the season, I think uh, looking at his career, he's around a 59% uh, free throw shooter. So a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of an improvement there. But yeah, I think if we see more games tonight where they're able to run, we'll really be able to see the full potential of what he's good at. 
And uh, like we said, we it looked like he was ready to let loose from three uh, at one point earlier in the game, but he didn't. But And if he uh, starts feeling more comfortable from there and lets him fly, great. If not, uh, and, and he puts together more triple doubles, uh, more power to him. And to be clear, the reason he didn't shoot that ball, I mean, we don't know if he would have shot it if he was wide open, but there was someone right on top of him closing him out. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like he just passed up and opened three. He, he teased the shot, but clearly the respect was there. Yeah. Certainly. Um, and, yeah, I guess the only other note from this, Terry Rozier, uh, I think he's a bona fide Sixers killer. He was a Sixers killer for Boston and the playoffs uh, for what felt like uh, seven straight years, even though I think it was probably only two. Uh, he finished with 35 points. Uh, for the Hornets, who, uh, yeah, uh, Hornets dropped to, uh, I think they have two wins on the season. I don't really know. I don't really care. But, yeah, I think that'll uh, about wrap things up for this episode of Garbage Into Gold. Anything else, Jesse? No, I think that's it. Um, I mean, go Sixers. They're fun to watch again. Yeah. Uh, so looking ahead, uh, we're going to be uh, attempting to do a podcast uh, every three-ish games for the Sixers. So uh, they host Charlotte again, uh, play the Wizards again uh, before playing the Nets for the first time this upcoming Thursday, January the 7th. So perhaps we'll have a pod episode for you after that game to see how they match up with Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving and everything. Um, but yeah, other than that, we appreciate everybody uh, tuning in and we hope you have a wonderful night. Thanks for tuning in. Go Sixers, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of Garbage into Gold. Garbage into Gold.